Happy New Year! <laughs> I quit. I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Oh. There was only one way. Only one way I could start the show. Back this is why you wanted to take. This is why you wanted to take the topic. Several reasons. Several reasons. One. One for that. <laughs> Another is for this. Uh, Producer Nick, could you please play a fair use legal clip of Eric Bischoff's uh, WWE intro right now? I'm back, and I'm back. And that'll be that'll be a little gift for all the uh, wrestling fans. Listen to our show, and you have to listen to what that sounds like. And the suffering for the rest of us. Plugs it in. It still works thematically. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But we are back. We're back and better than ever. Um, we're better than we were a few months ago. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so. I hope so. You know what's uh, weird about the little break, uh, Harrison? What's that? We barely talked during our break. Which is probably not a bad thing. Yeah, because we don't like each other that much. This is all just a gimmick. It's, just yeah, it's, a, it's all a shtick. It's, it's all a bit. We do it for the bit. <laughs> we do it for the bit. Um, no, but I think no. it's funny because like, this is just kind of a ritual that we have. And we yeah. spend an hour or two every week or two weeks. And um, you just get comfortable with that and went away. We just kind of kind of drifted apart to find our inner peace <laughs> there separately but now exactly. we're back together with the fruits together. of our travels exactly i got i got kind of quiet in general online and stuff you know still working through that a bit but it's mm-hmm. actually i think overall good because i'm like i'm starting to realize stuff like most online debates are dumb um oh yeah 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 you know like I, I would check and I'd say, Oh, they're talking about that today. Oh, that that that's fruitless. That's not gonna go anywhere. <laughs> I'm not gonna engage because yeah. my opinion's not gonna make a difference and it's not gonna change any minds and I'm just gonna go pray for them. That's great. And that and was a really good experience. That is good. That is that sounds to me like wisdom, Father Harrison. Pay attention. Yes. Be attentive uh, be attentive, sorry, be attentive. Not pay attention. attention. Probably some weird translation of the... Yeah, probably some 1970s translation of the the Eastern Rite, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But you know what? We both had decided that, you know, it was time because our listeners, Mm -hmm. uh, they've had no clerically speaking in weeks since we left. In fact, since we left the podcast, there's been 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 no no episodes at all. Right? I mean, I haven't actually checked. I just assume that... Yeah, because I don't really listen to podcasts, right? Like... Uh, well, I don't so listen to like, our podcast. It's <laughs> 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 like I already did it. I already, right. I, I know yeah. what I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I assume it's perfect. So I don't usually check the feed. Yeah. And so I just assume that uh, producer Nick did exactly what we said. And uh, I presume the same. Yeah. Because, you, you know, know, he is, he's, if he were to. He's a good Catholic who tweets a lot about prayer and contemplation. It's important in your life. And yeah. It's important yeah, yeah. in your life and that relationship with Jesus. And so as a man who has a heart for the church. He would listen to the priests of the church, right? Absolutely. He'd be obedient to to their desires, and and so I I just trust that. Yeah. Right. I mean, too. And and if he ruined it, well, you know, he has to answer to God for that. Absolutely. And as we know, vengeance is the Lord's. So, uh, quick little story. Quick little story. Um, I had a you know I was on retreat, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But when I got back, my pastor he says. Welcome back to the funeral factory, uh, because that's what it sometimes <laughs> feels like at my parish. Yeah, I know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Because it's one of those things that, you know, of course, when you're in the moment celebrating the funeral, you're there, you're with the people, mm-hmm. you know, you're in the moment. 
Um, but when you just like it's Monday or Tuesday and you look at the calendar and see that there's seven funerals this week, Ugh. it feels like you're turning them out a little bit. So it's that weird dynamic. Yep. Anyway, so I uh, I had a, a funeral. And uh, I heard something kind of interesting, because uh, a lot of times, to be honest, when you celebrate funerals, um, either because people have been away from church for a while, or just because it's a funeral, uh, and any Catholic outside of Sunday Mass, they, they forget everything about Mass. This is just a weird dynamic that Catholics do. Um, or just because, yeah, uh, they're overwhelmed with stuff. I'm used to not hearing a lot of response, you know, for the people's parts. Like I said, don't judge it, whatever, it's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, I help people along. I tell them when to kneel and stand and all that stuff. I, I direct them when it comes to the readings and all that jazz, and that's fine. But I heard something that um, I have not heard so enthusiastically in about, uh, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, maybe. Can you guess what I heard? Hmm. Enthusiastically, I'm trying to think like amen is your normal enthusiastic amen. Right, but not that. Hallelujah. I, good guess, good guess. No, I heard uh, all, all of the responses from the old oh, translation. Yeah. <laughs> and also with you. And also with you oh, and everything else. And it literally threw me off because they were just, I mean, very well responding and everything. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did, you know, one of the things I've, I've I think in five years, almost five years, uh, as a priest now, I've become more kind of confident and just kind of following where the spirit leads me. Mm-hmm. So I made a little announcement uh, and just said, you know, uh, you guys, uh, it's been an honor to celebrate this funeral, um, but you, you gave yourself away a little bit. And I heard responses that were changed about 10, 11 years ago. I just want you to know that the church is your home and I know life is complicated. And I know a lot of stuff can lead people away from the church, whether it's something a priest did or said or a marriage situation. And I just want you to know that I'm your priest. And if you want to talk, um, send me an email. If you just want to yell at the priest, sometimes that's helpful. Uh, let me know. And just as a reminder, this church is always your home and you're always welcome back. And they responded very positively to that. It was a good uh, family. Um, so that's that's it just, it just struck me because there were a few times where I paused because my brain went haywire hearing the old responses so mm-hmm. loudly. And so that's, that was that was my day this morning. Hmm. That's a lot of funerals. We we haven't had a ton of funerals here lately, and it's been hard. Like a lot, I think a lot of people are actually just putting them off because we're still under restrictions. So Oof. yeah, like I still yeah. I haven't had a. I, I did something like drive-in wise on on Easter Sunday, but we haven't had like public masses since November, mm-hmm. and it's now April. Like we're six months into this now, which is a very very. A long time dude. it's too long and not well handled in my opinion but that's another story <laughs> um uh so i think so, a lot of people here are just putting off funerals essentially yeah. until they know they can have more people because 10 people is all we're allowed to have for funeral including the priest wow yeah so we're still the same you know it's every other pew basically okay. um there's less and less masks at church but also like vaccinations are going pretty well so i'm not bothered by that anymore yeah uh, did you get so jabbed i did i got jabbed twice nice i got the fitzer i got um yeah uh, i got wipe that off the screen <laughs> there you go um yeah i got pfizer the- too but i only got my first dose where because of shortages we're kind of really extending the second until second dose mm. but still first dose is better than no dose it is. It is. Right? It gives you. So, uh, is it something like eighty percent immunity? Eighty-five or, or eighty-six, which is still yeah, like so, really good. <laughs> but what's crazy is um, the second shot for me 
kicked my butt for like 20 hours. That's what I've heard from a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was very much so like, um, got the shot the first day, felt fine, woke up next morning, was like, uh, just like I kind of had a flu. It was like achy, sore, tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the middle of the night, the next night, my fever broke. I woke up the next morning. I was fine. Good to go. Yeah. When you got your first shot, did your arm hurt? Yeah, it was sore for like a day. Yeah, was like I'm a side sleeper, and so I couldn't, and I, I like to sleep on my right side, and that's where I got my shot because I'm a lefty, uh, and uh, which I'm really happy I did that now because usually your arm doesn't hurt afterwards, but I was like, oh, you never know. It was and, pretty sore. Uh, yeah. It was pretty sore. I couldn't sleep on my right side at all. Yeah, but uh, I think we can fairly say we at Clerically Speaking are all about the nanobots. Yep. Um, you know, people like complain about the New World Order and uh, uh, Bill Gates and everything. But you know what? The the 5G straight into my brain. I've been watching, you know, uh, YouTube videos and uh-huh. even this connection uh, to, yeah. to send our podcast to Nick. It's all in our brains. It's going a lot faster, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So I, for one, welcome our new world leaders. So, <laughs> Our new ant overlords. Yeah, our new ant overlords. <laughs> Sorry, Simpsons reference. Uh, I, so, welcome, welcome, finally, back to Clerically Speaking, I'm Father Anthony. And I'm Father Harrison. And I, um, we didn't actually talk about this, but we should actually talk a little, at the, maybe at the end of banter, we should talk a little bit about what, what things are going to be like going forward. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, yeah, so things are, I want to say better-ish. But not, okay. I would say not a, I'm not a hundred percent there yet. I think, I think I've realized it, that I've had those few small social opportunities. Like I had a meeting with the Bishop last week and mm-hmm. in person and everything, but still like, you know, distance, all that stuff. But I came back like energized, which is a weird thing to say after meeting with your Bishop, <laughs> but please freak out if I have a meeting with their Bishop. <laughs> it's hard to freak out with my Bishop, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like so invigorating just to talk to another face, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> as an extrovert and like phone calls and zoom, it's been nice. And like, I've tried to do that more. Um, actually had a great two hour phone call with father Josh Meyer the other night oh, is nice. catching up. Um, and you know, those are great, and those definitely energize me as an extrovert, but it's that face-to-face interaction. Like, I was realizing that's pretty much what's been causing a lot of lack of motivation, all that fun stuff. It's because I'm not getting the energy I need from the usual social circumstances. So we're getting better-ish. Uh, you know, actually, Father Josh said to me, he goes, you sound better. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling there. Part of it, I think, was my medication. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually off my medication right now for ADHD because it my, I'm not an anxious person but the anxiety went through the roof mm. especially towards the end of holy uh, of Lent I should say so I, I talked to my doctor we, we've agreed to get off it for a bit and you know there's some downsides to that but I think for this medication it just didn't work for me and so I actually I think because of that too it's been a little bit easier like I'm actually a little bit more functional now than I was before, which is good. So, yeah. you know, play it by ear. I'm actually starting something called cognitive behavioral therapy on Friday Ooh, for my ADHD, fun. for my ADHD. So I've been told mm-hmm. that's really good and it's really helpful. So we're starting with that. So we're getting there. Um, man, what's been going on? Like, it's weird. Cause it's like, if I was actually talking to my secretary, I'm like, she's like, I'm like, so any phone calls? She goes, not really. I'm like, cause we're, we've been closed for so long and now Easter's over. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, and she's actually been really good. She goes, don't worry too much about office work for now because like you haven't really touched your doctorate in a few months like just focus on studies for the next few months wow until you because like you didn't and now you have the time and there isn't a lot going on so 
you know, but we got we got some organizational stuff done at the parish. We hired a new receptionist on top to help the office manager, and we hired a custodian to do repairs and maintenance and cleaning around the church, which has been a massive help. Like, mm-hmm. organizationally, I feel very good about what yeah. we've done. And, uh, yeah, so you got that going. Um, Question. Yes. First Communions. Do you uh, any post, First Communions? What's the deal? Post, so we do, we do Restored Order because that is right and just. Really? And, yeah. So grade two, three is usually when they get both. Uh, but we and the bishop has delegated all his priests to do the confirmations. But we are we were going to do it in June, mm-hmm. but we're not sure we're going to be open or if we're open, what kind of numbers we can have. Yeah. So we've postponed till September mm-hmm. because okay. I just I just said I, I said like I have seventeen kids and I'm like I'm not doing one mass for every. I'm not doing 17 confirmation masses. Yeah, that's you know, a much. and it's like, and it's like, and then it gets hard because like, which how you know, this is something you want to celebrate. So like, listen, if we did it in September, I'm sure we can do some form of celebrating by then. So yeah. like, let's let's if we postpone, then you can actually they don't have to worry about who they can and can't invite and all that stuff. So, so we're gonna postpone a bit and wait and see. It sucks for the kids, obviously, but right, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I am pretty much done with COVID. <laughs> Right. I'm done with like I'm done with all like keep, I, when you're a pastor during there's just so much organizational stuff that you have to mm-hmm. do. It gets really wearing. Um, yeah, yeah. We actually like we we did outdoor masses uh, uh, on for Easter. Like I did drive-in outdoor masses because um, we were allowed to do those, and we got FM transmitter and all that stuff. It's a lot of work to put that together, and yeah. I asked all the volunteers. I said, "Well, you know," and it was super windy. Like. We didn't plan for wind. We we yeah. planned for rain. We did not plan for wind, and it yep, was just so windy. Like oh, it's just that was a comedy of errors. But um, and I asked all the volunteers, like, we'll pay attention. You know, maybe we should do this as a regular thing. And everyone's like, not not in a million years, Father. Just mm-hmm. go back to what we're doing. So what we're doing right now is we have people. They kind of drive into the church parking lot on Sunday. I say mass in the church, live stream it. They watch from their phones or tablets in their cars, and then I do communion after that. And then some people who don't have tablets and stuff, they drive in afterwards from home. And we're getting okay. about 75, 80 cars every Sunday. So okay. not, not too bad for our parish. So I'm happy with that. And then, uh, and then I, also, um, I also cheated on you by going on to another podcast. Explain. Explain <laughs> yourself, Harrison. It's not out yet, but I'm doing an eight-part series with the Daughters of St. Paul. Oh, well, we like them. Okay, good. Uh, for their daughter's project, I am the first male guest on their show, and we're doing an eight-part wow. series. Wow. Big step for, for male rights. Exactly. This right. is a exactly. beautiful thing. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> we're doing an eight-part series on my new book, Mysterion, that's coming out in October. And apparently, we'll have more information in a few weeks because I think I've actually heard like pre-orders are coming out like really soon. Cool. Uh, they have a whole thing planned. So uh, yeah, so we've been doing that every Monday with them, which has been fun to talk to the sisters and, and talk about sacramental world do stuff. So that's really good. So yeah, so that's, I think that's mostly what's going on in life. It's just I'm slowly getting back to normal, getting my life more organized, trying to just learning. Like I got a lot of habits I got to work on in my life that I've, I've learned to survive I know it sounds like cliche. I've learned to survive, never learned to thrive. <laughs> but you know, like I've, I've, I realized COVID taught me how many bad habits I actually really have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I got a lot of work to do. So, All right. so we're working on that. But before, maybe before we, we move on, 
Let's talk let about the... some habits that are changing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what was it? It was like two weeks ago. We were both kind of feeling, I think it's time. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to come back to the podcast. And so we were texting each other. And uh, you called me up and we talked. And you're like, what if we did this like every two weeks or like twice a month or something like that? And I said, I love that idea. Because... Yeah. Podcasting yeah. is a lot of work. <laughs> and coming out with new content's a lot of work. And like mm-hmm. we're not saying we don't do weekly again, but if we want to get we just I think what was going through my mind, like I'm trying one of the things I'm learning is I say yes to think to things too quickly and too easily. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, uh, I gotta learn to be better about that. And give I'm also trying to prepare myself for the fact that there will be the day when things will reopen and hopefully in the next month or two with my parish. And so okay. I have to be ready to go there'll be a lot of stuff to play catch up on with pastoral visitations and stuff so i was like what if we just did every two weeks for now yeah and not saying we won't do every week one day but it's just i think it's also where we're at we we're, we both have we're, we're feeling good enough <laughs> <laughs> but I, we're not maybe i'm not 100 percent there yet but doing like that way i only have to come up with like one topic a month yeah right and it doesn't mean we can't like there's the odd, odd time. It's like, hey, if we want to do a special episode with a guest friend or whatever, we can do that and drop it. And doesn't have to. It's that way. It, it it ensures our parishes aren't ignored. We still got other stuff going on in life, and I think it just helps us. To, we're just trying to learn how to balance everything. Yeah. Uh, I think we both had a lot going on and realized it just got overwhelming for both of us. Exactly. At the same time. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. So that's going to be kind of the plan. Is yeah. Yeah, yeah stuff is is in flux in my diocese too. So, um, and uh, this will be good that way because we like because really we both wanted to come back and do the podcast because we enjoy it. Yeah. But we also don't want to get burnt out again and do like yeah. a stop start thing. So this way we'll be consistent. Yeah. Um, just not as frequent. So that, that yeah. is. And there's lots of other decent podcasts out there. I mean, not as great as ours. Right, but, but, but there's decent. content out there. There's enough filler. Yeah. There's enough appetizers for the meal. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. and and. The other thing we've been talking about, we're, we're still, this is still a little in work, I guess, is perhaps we won't always do the Suma after the banter. Yeah. So this thing we're talking about, because both of us are not as on Twitter as we were back in the day, a whole two and a half years ago. Uh, so we're thinking about moving more towards for the Suma uh, segment. Um, questions from you guys, our listeners. Who can email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Um, and that way we can like dive into like a little side topic before we get to yeah. our main topic. Um, maybe we'll make a new bumper. Maybe we'll keep the Suma. Who knows? Who knows? We'll leave that up to our And we're not saying the Suma's gone. It's just that no. way we don't feel this need to be on Twitter all the time. Right. Because I'm trying to I mean, I'm trying to learn to be better about all that myself. I don't need to be on Twitter 10 hours a day or whatever. Not that I was on 10 hours a day, but, you know. Um, right, right, right. It's just... It, and also... Like I was saying earlier, like having that distance from Twitter a bit has helped me learn. Like it is a great tool. I love the community. I love the people on there. Yeah. But just actually like how pointless actually a lot of debates really are. Yeah. And that you don't need to be involved with them. And I don't need to reply to everything. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really freeing. Yes. <laughs> it's been really nice mm-hmm. to have a nice, healthy relationship with Twitter. Yeah. So you guys, you can send us emails. You can send us emails like with like links to tweets or if you yeah. if he's like, hey, can you talk about this thing that happened hey, online? Or we we pay we pay Riley for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. All right then. 
So, uh, speaking of uh, which, uh, let's move on to our next segment. You've missed it. The song is fading from your consciousnesses, but we're going to <laughs> plug it back in like nanobots in a vaccine. It's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. So, a little self-indulgent now, but I think this is an important one. This is from at Papa Sharapa, the infamous producer Nick. He tweets this. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Do November 9th. A picture of producer Nick holding two bags of ice and producer Riley pointing at her belly. That's right. There will be a producer baby coming into the Clerically Speaking family. November 9th. Or so, around there. You know, these things, you know. So, first, this is, I mean, this is great news. But I, have, I, have, news. I have obviously one question. Yes. I obviously get to do the baptism. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, every priest I know think it's hilarious to call dibs on this baptism. There's like 10 different priests who have You're called. Like, great old joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and the thing the is, weird... our listeners haven't had this joke yet, so. That's true. But, like, all the other priests, like, <laughs> Pittsburgh priests, priests on Twitter, they're all like, yeah, Dibs on the baptism. Who's going to do the baptism? And I know it's a joke, but it makes me real angry. <laughs> I get off, I was like, no. get off my turf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I called is... up, I called up, uh, actually, Nick, after uh, they broke the news and everything. And I was like, uh, I just have, you know, one rule. I don't want to, like, impose or anything. This is, this is your child and all that. But uh, I am doing the first baptism. <laughs> Unless you make me godfather, in which case you can pick another priest to the baptism. He just laughed at me. He's like, yeah, of course you're doing the baptism. I was like, good. Right, because he doesn't think you're worthy enough to be godfather. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, I was only his confirmation sponsor <laughs> and, like, his older brother. Yeah, and, confirmation like, you know, sponsor doesn't really mean anything. Well, that's not nice. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Nick and Nick and Riley are, are these people who they know so many wonderful people in their lives. Yeah. So they've got they've got a great pool of people to choose from. Um, though I uh, have offered the idea of uh, raffling off the Godfather to one of our listeners, and uh, Nick and Riley did not like that idea so much. Hmm. So, um, so hopefully in the future there'll be lots of uh, uh, producer baby content. And stories and fun stuff. That's that's what I'm excited for, the content, basically. Yeah. Already, Nick and Riley's Twitter game has stepped up uh, just with, like, jokes and things, so that's good. Yeah. So but that, in real life... How do you feel <laughs> about being an uncle? You know, uh, it, uh, it, it occasionally hits me. I mean, first and foremost, I am just genuinely excited for Nick and Riley because they're going to be amazing parents, and that's... That's where most of my excitement goes, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a real amazing uncle. I'm just just throwing it out there. It's gonna be the best. So I am excited for that. That's awesome. And, it is awesome. Um, yeah, it's been those. That's always news. That's like you're really excited to hear about it. And mm-hmm. I may have known earlier, and it was like I want to tell people 
but I can't because it's not nope. my baby. It's also good because, like, every time, like, there was one time that uh, Nick and Riley, they were driving to Cleveland, uh, and they were going past Newcastle, and like, hey, do you want to go out to lunch? And I was like, yeah, sounds great. But my brain was like, do you want to go to lunch and tell me about a baby? <laughs> so, like, I think you like, had texted oh, that to oh, us oh, or hey, something Riley. like that. Oh, hey, Riley, everyone's <laughs> having a drink. Do, do you want a drink, Riley? <laughs> <laughs> How about a glass which, of wine, Riley? <laughs> He's just like looking for reactions, which is which a I gin and tonic, G and T, huh? Just a little, just a little taste. I'm sure, like, because he don't want. It's funny because like you're you're really excited for the couple yeah. and you want to know, uh, but you also hey Riley, like, can you lift want... this sixty pound box for me? <laughs> <laughs> but you also do want to respect the fact that like it's it's a very kind of personal, private thing. Yeah. So I'm glad that tension's over. <laughs> At least for me, that's nice. I, I can just like, be... text every time they would be coming up. You're like, they're coming up. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> so, so now I guess I can be a little bit more normal for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably a gift to them. <laughs> it's almost like you had baby brain more than they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great news. That are, I mean, it, it really is the greatest news that essentially our podcast brought a life into this world. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. So for, for new listeners, basically Nick and Riley started dating because I trolled bit. Nick on our podcast and got them to go on a date. <laughs> All for a bit. And now there's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very silly. Yeah. But that's awesome. I'm super happy for them. It's uh this is this is my one actually so here's here's the deal. Because like I'm really hoping and praying that I can travel to the States in November. Cause like I've talked to Riley over FaceTime and over zoom and everything. I've yet to actually meet her face to face. That's crazy for Which me. Which is crazy. Think. The darn pandemic has ruined this. So maybe I can make a trip down to Pittsburgh in November. Yeah. That'd be great. Just to hang and, out and, and celebrate. Ju- and just so everyone's clear, we're putting this baby to work right away. Um, we're going to make sure that the baby models clearly speaking onesies. Yep. We'll start paying the baby. The baby's getting yeah. to work. This baby's yeah. not going to be a slacker. Wear clearly speaking diapers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With all the um, symbolism included in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to be any lazy baby who's just yeah, freeloading. We're not allowing that. <laughs> exactly. This baby's going to be a productive <laughs> member of society by working for our podcast yes. right away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be careful about the jokes I want to make, but um, um, but no, it is, it is actually awesome news, and it's really cool, and it's awesome, and and it's exciting, and it's very uh, it'll be great. So, so yeah. if you're listening, pray for Nick and Riley and right. baby. Cool. All right, I'm gonna go a little bit more serious because that's my Let's do it. That's that's my shtick. It's time. Is, it's 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 time. It's like hey, um, trying to work the the gray matter again um this is from catholic at catholic kung fu and carpenter anti-intellectualism disguised by a blue collar for the people attitude is still anti-intellectualism and i'll tolerate it not at all um so and she's just kind of getting there's a, there's reasons she's saying this but you know there's a point to there, there's a point to this i think and i think it's actually a good one because you hear it a lot Oh, that's just all because of book smarts, and therefore it actually has no real meaning. It doesn't really affect life, essentially, right? It's not. It doesn't. It's not based in the salt of the earth. Now, mm-hmm. that's a you know, and that's um, it's not a fair critique, but I understand where it's coming from. 
because at the same time, this is something I've actually learned in these last few months, especially it's like when you're talking, for example, around the church's moral teaching and how she understands moral discernment, mm-hmm. it's super complicated. Yeah. And like most people don't understand the terminology that is at play in the technical language. Sure. But it doesn't mean the technical language isn't important. So it's, you know, she's right to say like anti-intellectualism, like just kind of disguising it as like, oh, it's salt the earth. Like things are, you know, that doesn't really matter because it, it doesn't affect real life. That's not okay. But at the same time, there's, you could almost say like there's a counter critique of saying like, but can the intellectual communicate things in such a way that people can understand it, right? And I think that's really, really important. I um, I know we've talked about it before, and I, I hate to badger on on COVID stuff, but since we're talking about since the nanobots are taking over, anyways, um, right? You know, we are we are programmed to have to force to say what they say. No, yes. um, we but, are now um, shills for vaccines yeah, and yeah. science. Uh, um, but I use this image like when I was talking about it in my pastor's notes because I have I, there is some he- vaccine hesitancy in my parish. Right. For moral reasons, not for some for scientific reasons, but mostly for moral reasons. And I use the image. And I think I've used this before, but of, you know, if you're dying on the operating table and you need a, a kidney and the guy in, has just died, he has an organ donor card and you can get his kidney. But you find out that he was murdered. Are you cooperating with that murder? And everyone's like, well, no. I said, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're receiving something not because you intended the murder or you have any real connection to it, even though the cause of you getting this is immoral, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people told me that that helped them get them over the hurdle of their moral hesitation. Now it's based in ideas around proximate cooperation and, and remote cooperation and material and immaterial cooperation with evil. That's all technical language, but that's important too. And you can't communicate the image without the basis behind it. It's why for it's why for seminary we have to do theology. Not that you're going to preach about the intricacies of the relationship between the two natures in Christ and a homily, although that is fun to do. Um, <laughs> but that needs that to be at the basis of all your pastoral work, right? And all all the work you do. It's like, so, you know, it, it becomes. In other words, you don't have to actually give a word to it sometimes, but it shouldn't be discounted either. Right. I'm glad I actually brought this up because my first idea for a topic was based a little bit around this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it is it is a difficult and confusing time for the world, <laughs> um, for culture, society, and the church. Because, I mean, there are a lot of reasons to mistrust authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just look at the church uh, with all the scandals. There's a reason that people may mistrust authority. Um, there are plenty of real, provable examples of people in power using their power to deceive others. These things are true. Combined with that thing that is true, uh, we live in basically a post-truth society mm-hmm. where it is very much so um, you discount um, facts and you go with your gut. Uh, on top of that, there's another factor I was going to throw in there. Um, Yeah, institutions, um, the denial of expertise, all of this stuff. Um, Because, I mean, all of us, I think any reasonable person has 
at the very least, some reasonable critiques about how this whole COVID thing was handled Mm -hmm. on the right and on the left. You know, it has not been perfect at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's been, you know, people using uh, the COVID thing for agendas. Okay, given all of that is absolutely true. But at the same time, we cannot throw out all expertise. We can't throw out the fact that there's truth. And we can't make every single issue based around identity. Uh, whether it's party identity, where you, how like what kind of Catholic you consider yourself, because that has led to so much chaos and confusion, so that the average person, you know, who only hears bits and pieces, sees a thing on Facebook, is like, whoa, 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 what's the deal with this vaccine? What was it used? You know, uh, was abortion, you know, used to make the vaccine? And we did a whole episode on this, so uh, and you gave a quick synopsis of that. So it creates more confusion for the average person who is busy with their lives and doing other stuff, um, and but but cares about pro-life issues and this. Okay, so it's it is a bit of a mess. Uh, so I understand the, the the messiness. I also very much understand the fact that oh, this is a this is a new vaccine. That's interesting. Uh, I might want to wait to see if uh, my friends and family die first before I take the vaccine. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit. But, like, I think that's a normal kind of hesitancy. Mm-hmm. But I think everything we're seeing, um, that it works, it's fine. Uh, but also this, this applies to, like, a lot of teaching in the church going on now, a lot of personalities. Uh, so I just want to emphasize that, yeah, I know stuff's confusing, but we can't mm-hmm. throw away um, expertise and... Uh, and here's okay. This is this is a bugaboo that I have, because I have been really getting into conspiracies lately, mm-hmm. more so because they are more and more affecting um, a lot of church culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll hear stuff from uh, parishioners, uh, little things that you know they think I'm out of your reach, and the vaccine was actually made by diabolical forces and stuff. I'm like, where are you getting this? Uh, and there's all kinds of psychological factors that go into um, believing conspiracies. Also, to admit that some conspiracies are true. Mm-hmm. We have historical evidence of, of that as well. Uh, but the more and more it's, it's, it's seeping into the mainstream and it's kind of worrisome because it's clouding people's minds to what is actually truth. And I think it's also messing with people theologically. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm still, this thought is still bumping around in my brain mm-hmm. and percolating in there. Uh, but there it's more and more like a kind of gnosticism is is sweeping into the church uh a kind of uh i think manichaeism as well that somehow the forces of good and evil are equally entwined hmm. it's removing our more nuanced understanding of what the fall is what sin is um the nature of the human person and it's it's making thing, everything confused because it's much more easy to see like there are two major forces in the world good and evil and in a certain sense, there's a correctness to that, right? Um, but it's throwing away God's providence, throwing away God's plan, and a Christian understanding of the cosmos, and that really bothers me. Hmm. So this is becoming a, a mini topic, but... Uh, I know. That's what I fine. almost made it a topic. But yeah. hey, we're back. It was, it's the first episode. Let's do just we do what we want to do, yeah. man. So this is something I've really been pondering those last few months. It's because... And again, I'm people who have listened to me, who've read my book on finding, I'm very like proactive on why we need health measures and stuff like this. However, sure. however, you can't remove socialness from people forever. Mm-hmm. And I think 
so I, I was actually listening to a audiobook on managing anxiety because this is I got it when I was like for the depths of it. But it was also just helpful on in general on many things. But um, he, he cites some stuff at the end about the psychology of reading stuff on the Internet and how we part of our brain really likes the black white black and white stuff but that human yeah. interaction is not black and white and that there's all sorts of subtleties at play that force the brain to consider things differently than when we just watch a youtube video mm-hmm. and it got me thinking it's been this insight that i've had for a long time now we lack the social interaction where i watch something on youtube and i'm going to talk about it with my friends over a beer and they're going to challenge me and I'm probably actually going to give up on the idea because I value my friendship more than this idea hmm. or something like this. Right. And then there's, a, or there's other rewards that we might give up on it for, but by removing these social things, we only have one place to go to for our source of information and our discernment of truth, the internet. And it's, it's caused us I mean, part of this is even the way we communicate on the internet has, I think it's played into this, right? It's why I said earlier, it's why it's like, I've realized like most Twitter debates are just fruitless mm-hmm. and, and a waste of energy. Not all, but but most because you're lacking the, the subtleties of human interaction that would allow for this debate to actually bear fruit and conversion and, and to have an honest dialogue and discussion. So you watch this YouTube video, it feeds your biases and you accept it and then you only associate with people who buy into this worldview so you're never actually challenged and you're removed from we're removed from the extra stuff in life that is beyond our own social circle that allows that would challenge and force us to perhaps rethink or to get more nuanced about our position and when you remove that you this is the reason the pandemic and the political stuff and all the other stuff that's come with that yeah it's 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 all because we have removed the social stuff now what does that mean i think like i think it means that a in the future because governments you bet they better start having pandemic preparedness plans for the future you would hope so. You would hope so. We didn't do such a great job with this one. No, we haven't because, and this is the problem, we imposed lockdowns to the extent that people couldn't even have social interaction. Right. And you, you remove that element, you remove the sub, a substance of life. Like, And I think, again, I think this is actually one of the fruits of it too. We've actually realized this experientially, Right. I cannot wait for the first day I can go out to a pub with some friends for a beer again. And it's going to be one of the most joyous occasions of my life. We realize what we've lost, that we are created as social creatures, Mm -hmm. right? Which is a very Catholic teaching too. Um, But this is, this is the heart of it. We've, we've lost, like when you talk to someone face to face, it's not just words. It's not just a pure argument. It's the, the sounds in their voice, the, the, uh, the, Maybe the the way their eyes are looking at at you, uh, their hand gestures, their body posture, that all communicates. Yes, the Italianness, yes. Um, um, but that all communicates something beyond just your words and the argument that forces the human brain to be more receptive and to be more listening and to not jump to the conclusions, but is also more challenging and says this isn't a simplistic black and white issue like you think it is, right. 
and I think that's that's uh, I think that's a major issue at play in all this. Yeah, I'll just uh, uh, two more things off of what you said. Um, one about the whole going to uh, YouTube for your information, not having that challenged. Yeah. Another dynamic I've seen off of that is that YouTube has become and Facebook has become kind of a common culture. Yeah. So you have a lot of people who are being primed by these experiences. So instead of being challenged by mm-hmm. everyday experience, uh, mm. they more and more people are meeting people in real life as things come together and they already have their brains primed to think this way. Mm-hmm. And that's become a problem. So there's that. Um, but also, you know, with the stuff with the with the face, you know, I think it was kind of early on in the mask mandates or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks into it that you would begin to see this crazy argument floating around that you should disobey your bishop because the mask mandate is uh, actually some sort of uh, moral uh, evil because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And to cover that up is is a kind of desecration at mass, mm-hmm. which is that argument is just going through a lot of hoops, intellectually speaking, mm-hmm. so that you can do what you want at Mass, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, there is almost a bit of truth somewhere buried in there in the sense that uh, the face does communicate the person. And I think we've all been worn down by only seeing people in masks. Uh, and I was, it, it's striking because sometimes I'll preach about um, the resurrected body, seeing people face to face, and it strikes me that everyone in church is wearing a mask, right? Mm-hmm. There is there is a pain in that, and oh, there absolutely. is yeah. yeah. So, but it's like, but we took we took like this is a difficult situation uh, that nobody likes, and then like just ran a thousand miles with it because we refused to look at anything other than what mm-hmm. is black and white or what side are you on, mm-hmm. and I kind of digging down into uh, this idea or ideology that has become my identity and a thing I hold dear. And it's the only thing I can hold on to because the world is insane and crazy and random and Mm -hmm. I can't see what God's providence is doing in this. Mm -hmm. So it's like, instead of looking inward to see what's going on in our hearts, instead we run forward uh, with this crazy idea, take it to the nth level. And it's just Mm -hmm. not... It's not healthy for a church culture or for a national culture no. or world culture. It's like, in a way, um, online life has formed us rather than us forming it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's, that's all I, I think it's say. good. That was a good little mini topic. Yeah. Uh, so let's move into our uh, main topic, which may end up being shorter than this segment. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You love it. ever. You wanted more of it. It's time for presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Just throwing this out there, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Taylor Schroll, and it blew his mind that the two voices on this bumper are me and Nick. It's not just mm-hmm. Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's both of us. We recorded this bumper um, in like two minutes. We mm-hmm. took like two takes, and yeah. I forget exactly which voice is mine, but we're both just going back and forth and talking over each other in that. So that's it, your, it's, your, your... It, it's funny because you guys sound very differently in just like casual conversation, but when you do right. English accents, you actually sound quite sound We were quite doing similar. the same character, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite, quite. Yeah, yes, yes, yes indeed. Quite, okay, quite, um, quite. I'm sorry to all of our... 
uh, UK people who, who uh, hear me yes. butcher there. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm American. Okay. So I was on retreats. Yep. The other week. It was my first retreat in four years. What? Aren't, how does that work? Because you're canonically required for a retreat every year. Whoopsie doodle. You didn't know this? <laughs> I did not know Oh, that. really? Yeah. Am I in trouble? Am I going to go to the Vatican no, jail? No, but it's like, yeah, no, we're, we, a priest, priests are to have one five-day retreat a year. Well, um, I have experienced the, the spiritual impact of that, and it's been yeah. quite negative. And uh, returning to the retreat has been a very good thing. And literally everyone I've told, like, this is my first retreat in, like, four years. It's more like, more like three. I did do one early on, mm-hmm. um, but it was not very good. Uh, so, yeah, my bad. Not good. Don't imitate me. Go on retreat. I don't care if you're a lay person or a priest. Okay. So now that my mea, I am yeah, sorry. So, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Ed's probably screaming into the. Uh, our friend Ed is probably screaming. The first thing I thought was Canon Ed and six, JD. Yeah, Canon six six three. It looks like. Um, sorry. But uh, yeah, six six three. I think subsection six. Well, it looks like that. says there to observe uh, one retreat a year. Is there is there is there a penalty in the in There's, that? No. Okay, good. All right. Just just sin. Just just regular and, and old with, sin. And, and with sin, eternal damnation. You know. No, okay. No, no biggie. Right. Well, <laughs> thanks be to God for His sorry. mercy and grace. <laughs> I did that. go to confession I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or I'm, retreat. I'm sorry to have outed you over that one. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm going to out myself as we talk about what happened on my retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, uh, me and like uh, five other priests, we went down to this place, uh, Bethany Retreat Center in mm-hmm. uh, Tampa, Florida. Lovely, lovely place. Um, food was amazing. And all I did was eat, sleep, and pray. Uh, and so the first day I uh, got there and I was praying uh, the office. And it was, we kept silence. There was an option to re, uh, meet with uh, a residential uh, retreat director. I met with him one time. Um, but I was praying with the office. And what have we been going through in the office lately, Father Harrison? Uh, Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. I mean, and, the Psalms, obviously. but I mean, Right, that's, the Psalms. That's blah, just, blah, blah, blah. Always Psalms. But always in Psalms. the uh, office of readings, it's been the Book of Revelation. Yeah. And I was reading something. I forget exactly what it was. But an image kind of struck me. And I was like, okay. That's what we're doing on this retreat. We're going to start reading through the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. So I figured, hey, let's talk about that stuff that I read about and prayed about. Sound good? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. So I only got through like the the main part I focused on was the first part of the book of Revelation. What's going on in the first part of the book of Revelation, Father Harrison? Uh, John's kind of establishing the scene, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then then there's the message to the seven churches. The message to the seven churches. And that's basically what I put. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which are uh, tough reading. Uh, They are, but they struck me as incredibly important for our time and for me. Mm -hmm. It was very good. Good. Okay. So let's see here. This is, I don't write notes in this Bible. This is actually my first communion Bible. It's the one I use the most. I don't write notes in it. And it's got, I love it. I love the red text because that's yeah. what, when Jesus says things. Yep. I think it's nice. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to chapter two, verse nine. Mm-hmm. And this is the first part that hit me. I, John, your brother, who share with you the distress, the kingdom, and the endurance we have in Jesus. And what hit me there was, okay, you know, uh, the 
a lot of times when letters are written in the Bible, there's something along these lines of an address, like what we share in Christ, I you know, share the grace. And, but what hit me there was the line distress. Mm. I share with you the distress we have in Christ. Mm. And it's not distress by itself, you know, it's mm. the kingdom and the endurance. But like, that was the first thing that boom, 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 hit me. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of stuff um, for a priest, lay person, anybody in the church right now that causes us distress, whether that be uh, leadership, uh, your pastor's bad homilies, um, whatever the thousand things, very legitimate things um, that happen. And a lot of times uh, I find myself thinking that the cause of my distress is the over-enthusiastic Knight uh, of Columbus or the, the church lady who, who calls you five times in one week or uh, any number of bishops or brother priests or whatever situation, right? All these things get to us in some way or another. Uh, and you can focus on that. But what kind of shifted my perspective is that my distress isn't in any of those things. My distress is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by that, it's not like Jesus Christ is like, here's some distress, take some. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that. But, uh, and going through some of the, all the other letters and what John is doing here and what Christ is doing through John it's so much encouragement because if you're going to be a Christian in this world, you're going to be in distress. Mm-hmm. That we suffer the distress not for any of these other reasons. We suffer it for and in Christ. Even Christ's own life, full of distress, right? Whether or not that's um, the confusion at the temple when he's young or as he first starts his ministry, or the people of his hometown won't listen to him, or the multiple times people try to kill him, or he's constantly listening for the Father's plan and the Father's will. He's living Mm -hmm. it moment to moment. Um, There's a kind of distress in that. Uh, This is a little bit, uh, I'm stealing from Romano Gordini um, in his uh, book, The Lord, Mm -hmm. uh, where he's talking about the wedding feast at Cana. And the way he describes it is that he, Jesus Christ has to live in the Father's will from moment to moment. He has an idea of what, you know, the plan is, but he's always waiting for the Lord's prompting. Mm-hmm. Mary says they have no wine. And then Christ says, well, what does that have to do with me? It's not my time yet. But then immediately it becomes his time. Mm-hmm. He's constantly listening to the Father's will. He's always ready for it. Uh, I had a funny conversation with my buddy uh, Taylor Schroll over at uh, Forte Catholic. And he was talking about the seamless garment, mm-hmm. right? And he pointed out the fact that like Christ has to wear this seamless garment to fulfill this prophecy, right? Because the seamless garment is the priest's garment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not supposed to be torn. Mm-hmm. And he just asked the question, um, did Christ wear that that day? Is that the only thing he wear? Was he always prepared with a seamless garment like in his back pocket in case mm-hmm. he has to fulfill the prophecy? It's kind of a humorous way of getting at the point that Jesus is living moment to moment in the Father's will. Okay? Mm-hmm. And something about that was actually comforting. It's something weirdly comforting when someone says, when, you, when, when you're distressed, and someone's like, yeah, you should be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, at least I'm not crazy. Right. Okay, your thoughts. I actually don't have any yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll just, just keep moving on. Just keep on moving on. Nothing yet. But something about that I'm was covered. Yeah. And along with the distress is both the kingdom and the endurance. Right. That we have endurance in Christ as well, if we sit close to him. That the kingdom of God is born out in yeah. our distress and endurance. Okay. I do actually have a thought now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it, it's, 
again, just speaking more from the side of the priest, obviously, but this is something priests are going to go through too, right? Yeah. Because we're fellow Christians along the way. So a priest isn't someone who's going to be this kind of constant figure of calm and patience, et cetera, in the thing. It's, he's sharing the same distress you are, mm-hmm. right? And so, but that he's doing it with you for you, right? To lead you through the passion into the resurrection, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so to lead you through the trial into the victory, and so it, it means then we have to be like essentially okay I guess at the heart of it it's like we have to all be okay with each other's weaknesses yeah in a way and to embrace that rather than oh this person doesn't do things my way this person doesn't do things the way I would do them mm-hmm. it's like yeah they don't and they probably won't so what yeah, I also think it's it's like a good reminder that a priest as leader that you have to show that you are sharing the distress in yeah. Christ with with the people. Um, not to not to you don't want to be like the parent who's like, uh, well, uh, lost my job, don't know how we're gonna pay for food. You don't want right. to dump that on your child, right? And same thing with the priest, you don't want to dump everything on your right. parishioners. But at the same right. time, like we share this distress in Christ. I think sometimes pastors can do and priests and myself can do a better job. Of, I'm sharing this with you, but we're in Christ in it. Yeah, and with it, we also have the endurance, mm-hmm. and that will bring about the kingdom uh, by God's grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other thing that struck me was, okay, so he says this thing and then he's caught up in the spirit, whatever that means. He's having a vision, a moment, a spiritual moment that we can only kind of approach with reverence. Who knows exactly how it was lived out, but this is how he expresses it. And then we have a description of Jesus. Let's see. Where are you? Aha. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw the seven lampstands. One in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, wearing the ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest. The hair of his head was white as a fiery flame. His feet were like polished brass refined in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing thunder. In his right hand he held seven stars. A sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face shone like the sun at its brightest. So, a few things struck me about this. One, John's writing this. This is the same John who's the beloved disciple, who walked with Jesus for three years, who rested his head against the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper, who knew deeply Jesus in his humanity. And now he's seeing Jesus in his glory. And John emphasizes Christ and his glory throughout these next seven messages. Um, and there's this dichotomy, this like kind of tension between the fact that the churches are persecuted, that they're going through problems, external and internal. Mm-hmm. And there are these messages, warnings, chastisements, encouragements that are coming from the Lord, but coming from the Lord in his glory. It's almost as a constant reminder that what we see in this life and in this world is not all that reality is. That Christ really is Lord and ruler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was like, okay, what, what do these images mean? So I, I put on my little theologian poetry brain and, and dove into this. So first of all, you have the ankle length robe, which I think mm-hmm. pretty much probably respond uh, to the priestly robe. He's dressed in white, uh, which is... Symbolizing baptism. Symbolizing baptism. 
Uh, the fact that uh, before he died, he was in a sense dressed in red in his own uh, blood that was poured out for us. So you've got that. That's a pretty simple one. The gold sash around his chest. Uh, I always like uh, meditating on how all of the images of Christ's torture on the cross were mm -hmm. actually, you almost flip them because they're all images of his glory. Mm -hmm. So he was crowned, but crowned with thorns. Now he's crowned in glory. Mm -hmm. And so my thought for that, the gold sash was like the spear going through his side. Mm -hmm. Do you buy that? Does that work? Mm -hmm. I'm sure the thinking, church fathers have something to say. What do you think? What do you think? I was what's, thinking what's more just like, just a sign of the bindingness of the cross. Mm. That he was bound by the cross, now he's bound with a gold sash. Yeah. That's nice. Yes. Um, and then the the hair on his head was white. Um, and there's something about that, like, you know, Christ lived to about 33 years old. Mm -hmm. But he also is the eternal world, word. Mm -hmm. And how do you symbolize eternity in a, in a corporeal understanding, the white hair mm -hmm. age, yeah. that while Christ yeah. lived in this planet for a little while he is the eternal god yeah. any, he any, 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 any 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 theistic like interpretations of god are almost always like white hair man in clouds right. type of thing right so because it's meant to get this sense of age which is a sign of eternity mm -hmm. exactly um and the one like that i actually really delighted in was that his feet were polished like brass refined in a furnace mm-hmm do you want to take a crack at what that could possibly mean? Well, it's funny, actually. I Put think, on your church father hat. Well, there's a few things that are going through my mind there. One is the fire of the furnace is obviously the fire of Hades, um, right? But, <coughs> sorry, my throat just suddenly got dry. Um, but I'm also thinking of the image in, um, oh my gosh, which prophet? Is it, I, no, is it Isaiah? No. This is where you say an image in the Old Testament. That's <laughs> how you do it. Right? Where they have the... <laughs> They have the dream of of Nebuchadnezzar, and mm -hmm. the, the stages of, and each as he's going through the statue, it gets weaker and weaker over time as a sign of that. But now it's kind of flipped on its head that the feet, which were the sign of weakness in that in that image, are now the sign of strength. Nice. See, I had both. Yes, yeah. I had both those ideas. But what I what I focused on was um, that the feet were like uh, brass. Um, refined in a in a furnace so i was like where were those feet they were refined through his obedience to the father while on earth mm -hmm. all the trials he went through on earth mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. refined in hades mm -hmm. those same feet that trod earth in a sense trod the underworld yeah. and went through that battle freeing the righteous souls and now those feet walk the heavenly realm mm -hmm. so they've been refined in furnace they're polished like brass these are the feet that have gone through all these three places right um, and then, you know, eyes like fire. Um, this is a big thing in, especially in iconography, how important the eyes are. Mm -hmm. um, the, the gaze, the look of Christ. That's the same. The eyes are fire. Mm -hmm. So that's the fiery love that he looks on you. Mm -hmm. And if you reject that love, that fire is the torment of hell. Right. So that, and of course, yeah. you know, the sword coming out of his mouth. That right. pierces the heart, yeah, that like opens it, up the heart to healing, so all that. So I had just fun with that image. Yeah, the, the word of God is like a two-edged sword, right, that pierces mm. down to the marrow. Um, so we're yeah. not getting too much more into uh, the book, but... The line. The line. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> okay. 
Um, so this is to the to Ephesus. Ephesus. That's one that we know. We hear yes. more often in the Bible. Um, so to the angel in church of Ephesus, uh, write this. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Oh, and the seven stars are the seven like angels of God. The seven yeah. lampstands are the seven churches. So each church has its own like angel. God is in the midst of this. He holds them. He holds the power over all the churches ultimately. Okay. I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you cannot tolerate the wicked. You have tested those who have called themselves apostles, but are not, and have discovered that they are imposters. Moreover, you have endurance and have suffered for my name, and you have not grown weary. I think this description matches a lot of Catholics right now, that we have uh, endured a lot. Um, that we have worked really hard for the church. I'm thinking about a lot of church workers in ministry and in parishes um, that, you know, we've been disgusted with the wickedness of some so-called apostles um, that we haven't grown weary in the sense that we're still here. We're still in the church. We're still enduring. Um, you know, we, we've struggled with all of that. And to all of us, Christ says this, yet I hold this against you. You have lost the love you had at first. Realize how far, how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So we'll bring it back to me for a moment. Because that, that was the sword that pierced my heart during retreats. <laughs> because, you know... Uh, I've been a priest for like a little four and a half years or so. I've done my best. I could tell her, look at all the stuff I'm doing for you and all this. You know, I, I suffered through the grand jury report like so many other Catholics. I am disgusted by the same thing a lot of other Catholics are disgusted, but we're still all here. And then Christ was like, but you lost the love you first had. And it just transported me back to my time, like just in high school, where after... Um, youth group i would just stay in the church and just stare at the tabernacle and pray or um and the prayer wasn't a burden it was a desire i think over the course of time like i had forgotten how lovable god is and how good he is and everything just became work and even though it was it's been a, it's been a weird thing that even though i've loved ministry i've loved all the things i've done there's been this tension between loving doing it and seeing god's work and also becoming just another task, just another thing to do. Um, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, lay people feel a, in a similar way that they're, when they can go to church, they're going at the very least they're some, some Catholics even watch mass on YouTube, which I don't think I could do. I think that would drive my brain insane. And they don't even just watch. Some people don't even watch the liturgy of the word. They watch the liturgy of the Eucharist too. No, I know. I, I, I find I, that amazing. I find it to their credit. The only time I find it beneficial is if it's like a funeral I can't make it to right now. Right, but like, but it shows like the desire. And, and you're not a bad person if you yeah. haven't watched yeah, mass exactly. on YouTube. It's fine. It's it's fine. You're fine. I totally get it. But like, in other ways, that ex desire to still be a part of the church is still there, right? Mm -hmm. But with everything that's been going on and how crazy, uh, even like politics and stuff is right now. Um, I think a lot of us have lost the love we first had. Right. Yep. And yep. it was one of those things like, this is how you know 
a chastisement, a rebuke is coming from God because it like cut me to my core, but it didn't dishearten me. Yeah. When, when the enemy's speaking to you, he wants to dishearten you, drag you into the mud, um, make you feel worthless. That wasn't what this felt like. It was like just the Lord being like, here is reality. Yeah. Here's where you are. Yeah. It's time to repent. So of all the of all the words to the churches, that's always the one that I think hits the most because I think no matter where you are, <laughs> I think for most people, those words hit with a certain sting. But mm-hmm. again, like you, like you said, like for me, I've always said that if the if the if the voice or whatever uh, is is accusatory, it's not God. Right. Right. And that phrase from Jesus to the Ephesians is not one of accusation. Right. No. It's one that said that's just speaking the truth of the heart so that you can rediscover that and go back to that. Right. And I think that's always like that's always important in general when we're trying to figure out is this God working in me or not? It's like it's just simply is the voice accusing? Because if it's accusing, it's not God. God doesn't accuse. There's only one accuser. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always important to keep in mind. Uh, with all that, so it's funny because I remember you you texted that in our little uh, WhatsApp group, and yeah. I saw it. I didn't even like go into the DM. I just saw it on my notification. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> As in, the like, word of God got you through a notification on your yes, phone. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> and it's and it, but that that's always one that whenever I read it, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, but the question always becomes like, how do I get back? And I think, I mean, there's, there's some stuff and we can talk perhaps about another episode about how that comes about and why that happens. I think, I think, I think part of it is we, ha- we established some pretty unhealthy ideas about what priesthood is and what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. that we, we work that priests get worked to the bone to the point of um, not loving anymore. Mm. Sometimes not that we don't mm-hmm. love. Right. But that, 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 I think that's, that's, that's part of that. But then it's like, yeah, like, like, yeah, I remember when I was young, and the, the and I think part of this is the maturation of love, though, too, right? Sure, yeah. The love you first had was perhaps a little wild and all over the place, and just it, it wasn't purified. Now it's the opposite. Sometimes you feel like, yeah, okay, I got to go pray. I don't want to pray, <laughs> right? And I'll like I'll be honest, my prayer life in January sucked. It was not great. Um, Cause I just didn't want to, I mean, I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't pray, but like the mo- the best prayer I could pray sometimes was Jesus help me to find you in this. Cause I know you're here. Mm-hmm. And Cause that's mm-hmm. all I could say. That's cause I, it's funny for me. I always, it's hard for me to fall into absolute despair because, uh, hope is such a strong attribute for me. Yeah. But I remember those days. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, there's adoration going on in the church. Today. Yeah. Woohoo. Let's go. Right. And now it's like, all right, adoration, right? <laughs> yeah, great. I think, but I got I this office God... work to do, and I got this to do, and I would like yeah. to do. I wanna, I wanna go spend this time with some friends. It's like, well, it, but it, it's about like his 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 whole point of that word is to say like that that zeal, that desirous love. It's gone through purification, but it's still there. So let's reawaken the desire, and yeah. and and but now in a more purified sense, right? Like. I've learned a lot in these last six years of priesthood, like, and I'm actually learning to slow down more. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to deal with, I don't actually need to answer every problem because I can't. Like, I think part of it is coming into acceptance with your own weakness and your own inabilities to do certain things because only when you can kind of accept that 
can the love begin to burn bright again? Because like, it's especially there. He wants to say, yeah, you, you loved me and all these things, but I want to love you where you think you're least lovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, that phrase that you said kind of like God wants us to recapture some of the wildness yeah. of our spiritual youth, right? Some of the energy, uh, some of the, um, cause if you, if you look at like, who are the people that God rewards the most in the new Testament? It's the crazy people. Yeah. It's, it's um, Peter, yeah. um, who is the most rambunctious and headstrong, and he asks for the wrong things. He doesn't know what he's doing, but the Lord loves that zeal. Yeah. Or James and John, like they have a crazy mom, and they want to be at the right and the left, and God's like, you don't know what you're asking for, but yeah, sure, okay. You and don't they do. know me. <laughs> but, but, but God still respects that and still enjoys that. And so we're supposed it's okay not to completely understand what you're asking for um you can ask with the ignorance of a child as long as you ask with the intensity and love of a child and mm-hmm. there's something about that the lord like wants us to recapture so th- yeah. there was that um and there's also the fact that like you know the church can become like we can endure but it becomes not out of love it becomes out of duty or a misplaced kind of identity thing it's like no 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 um, you, this has to be done out of love because yeah. if not the Lord says I'm going to remove your lampstand um, doesn't matter how many good works you do mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much you endure even if you hate the Nicolaitans which is great the Lord also does not like the Nicolaitans whoever whatever heresy they did that's great but it's, it's just me Jesus ha- does not like anybody named Nick or Nicholas I that is objectively untrue <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah so, yeah, but you have to have uh, the love in that. Yeah. And so I'll tell you what just happened yeah. at my retreat. Because I was like, oh, man, Lord, I need to love you again in the way I used to. And the Lord was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is I'm going to show you how much I love you. Mm-hmm. And that was the rest of the retreat. Something about, like, once I stopped praying about all the other circumstances, the Lord, like, just brought the focus right back at my heart. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'm the one who's without love. I have lost that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And once I, the Lord like just stabbed me there and turned my heart to repentance, then all of a sudden, like prayer was opened up for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course it's retreats and that's a different kind of time and a special kind of time. Uh, but it was just very much the Lord showing me in ways through scripture, through memories, uh, through experiences, uh, his presence, the fact that he loves me. And then it wasn't work to love him back. Right. It just ri- rose up in my heart. Yeah. Which should not have been shocking to me because you hear all the time through the scriptures that the reason why we love God is because he loved us first. Mm-hmm. But the, the missing piece in the last few years for me has been that I have been focusing on everything else mm-hmm. other than my own heart. And I talk about my own heart all the time. Mm-hmm. I preach about this. It's one of those like things that like it took the Lord to like refocus, stab me right there. And uh and it's, it was very fruitful. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So will you do one next year? I will for sure. <laughs> I uh I was hoping you nice say well, I, I have to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was also nice because the uh, the the other five priests I went with were all like, "Hey, this is really good. Let's try to meet up once a month." Hmm. Um, these are all priests so from Pittsburgh. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, just Pittsburgh guys. Nice. Um, and I mean, basically, my classmate, my buddy, Father Adam uh, Potter, great dude, was like, "Hey, we're doing this retreat. Do you want to come with us?" And I was like, "What? You already booked it. All I have to do is buy a plane ticket. I'm in." Yeah. A lot of my not going to retreat is because uh, I'm a big dum dum and. 
uh, all of my retreats my entire life have been scheduled for me. So right. it just, yeah. you know, stupid human reason. Yeah. But now I've got some help. So in our diocese, also, yeah, I was going to say in our diocese, our bishop is very insistent on us being together for the retreat. So he always books right. a speaker. We actually kind of organize it within the diocese every year. Yeah. So uh, except last year, obviously. So we, we I just did a personal retreat last year in my rectory. Yeah. Also, since I've, I've shared this information, I've had several friends, uh, dear, dear lay people, dear, dear friends of mine, so I will book you your retreat. Yeah. I'll just do it for you. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. So sometimes sometimes you just need, need a little bit of help. And here's the other thing, because it's not just about doing it for you, right? Like, the church insists on this. It's not holidays. It's nothing like that. The church insists on this because it's for the good of your people, right? Yeah. That, and it kind of mm-hmm. gets this idea again, like, actually, the most important work a priest does is the spiritual work. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the other stuff isn't important, but actually the most important work he does is to pray and offer the sacraments. Mm-hmm. That That's what he needs. That's the central. This is what I've been kind of learning lately. Maybe we'll do another podcast about one day, but it's what I'm learning more and more lately. It's like that, like that's actually the essential task. And that's what people need to even be seeing, seeing us doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we need to do those things like going on retreats so that we are spiritually nourished so that we can feed the people we serve. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, things get bland and, and and dry and all that fun stuff. So, um, no, I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was. Uh, it was very fruitful. It made me just a little jealous for a few reasons. One is that a you got on a plane. Yeah. B you got to go somewhere else. C yep. you got to go see a movie. D, um, you you know yeah you got to go. I would love to go on a retreat right now, but there's just nowhere to. We're we're having our yeah. we're having our diocesan retreat in November, but. I would, I could very much use a retreat. I would love that right now, but you know, God will, God will work this out. Absolutely. All right. Hey, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must, must love our enemies. Tell both your enemies and your friends that we're back. We'll be back on their feed every two weeks or so. You can find me playing Destiny 2 on Xbox Live. You can find me at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Send those questions to clericallyspeaking at gmail.com and maybe we'll answer them on the show. Peace. God bless.